I want to welcome all those by way of television this morning. We consider it a great privilege and honor coming into your homes. There's very few worship services that are televised on television anymore on YouTube. And we have a tremendous staff that makes it possible. A lot of technicians. And we may be small in numbers, but we're, we're incredibly high in quality. So we're opening him today as we come into your homes and areas of study. His love divine, all loves excelling. And that's our prayer as we reach out from all of the United Methodist Church here in Robbinsdale. My name is Dr. Randy Tabor. During my college reunion, there was a, a trucker that was passing from Texas, and he was listening to a service, and he heard my name, and we played ball together, and he brought that up to me at our, our reunion, so we have tremendous outreach by, by our television and radio and YouTube and Facebook. So our opening hymn is Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, Purple Hymnals, number 384, please. If you had an opportunity to be seated for a while, you may want to stand and stretch, and we always have our praise song to be seated. Love divine, all loves excelling, please.
Suzuki. You may be seated. Let us continue as we turn to a very important praise song, Be Unto Your Name. Red praise, the red praise, number 21, please. Powerful words in those hymns. If you're joining us um, by way of radio, television, or YouTube, or our scripture reading is going to be taken from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. Let's go to prayer now as we ask God's blessing on the remainder of our service. Come, come, Holy Spirit, come, divine interpreter. Bring us eyes, thy book to read, ears that the mystic words to hear, words which did from thee proceed, words that endless bliss impart. Keep us to a loving and obedient heart, for only a loving heart without being obedient is not true love. For all who read or hear are blessed, in thy plain commands we do. We ask your blessing upon the scripture. John chapter 9 verses 1 through 41. Because we can put ourselves in that position. We should ask ourselves of, of the blind areas and the blind spots in our lives. If thy plan commands we do. Of thy kingdom here possess that we shall in glory view. When thou comest on earth to abide, reign triumphantly at thy side. Whether your word be preached or read, no saving benefit can gain from empty sounds or letters dead. Unprofitable all and vain, unless by faith, by faith, thy word we hear and see the heavenly character we thank you, Father, for the update by Chris 
shall we thank you for the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit and physical doctors and spiritual doctors. And unmixed with faith, the scripture goes and gives no comfort, life, or light to see, but for us an outer and dark, darker darkness leaves, impinged in deeper misery, overwhelmed with nature's sorest ills. Thy spirit saves I, this letter kills. If God enlightened through his word, we shall our kind enlightener bless. But void and naked of thy Lord, what are we? Just verbal, verbal promises. Nothing to us till faith divine inspired and speak and make them mine. Jesus, the appropriating grace, tis thine on sinners to bestow. Open our eyes, Lord, to your word to see thy face. Open our hearts, thyself, to know, and then through thy word obtain sure present and eternal gain. We pray, O oh Lord, for our church and the many churches that are meeting, that are proclaiming your word. You've given the grace and the truth in life. Equip us, Lord, with the gifts of your Holy Spirit. We acknowledge your presence here today as we seek first your kingdom and your will. In Jesus' name, we ask a special blessing on the scripture, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. I have the privilege of reading the scripture today, and then I'll follow that and be dealing with the, uh, the laser one that I prepared. The scripture of Jude, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day, night comes, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of spittle and anointed the man's eyes with the clay, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Salome, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors, and then asked who had seen him before as a beggar, said, Is not this man who, who sat and begged? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, he is like him. He said, I am the man. They said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to the and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. The Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? There was a division among them. So they again said to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he could have been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received it and asked them, Is this your son, who was born blind? How then now does he see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and we also know that he was born blind. But now how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. 
Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone would confess him to be Christ, he was to be put in, out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, Ask him, he is of age. So for a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. The man answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? <laughs> and they revolved revo him saying, You are his disciple. You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is a marvel. You do not know where he comes from, and then he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to them. Never since the world has began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. <coughs> Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he that speaks to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that thus those who do not see may see, and those who see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. I found it fascinating that at the end of chapter 8, Jesus claimed himself to be the light of the world. And those that follow him do not walk in darkness. This blind man obviously heard of him because he called him rabbi. Jesus does a miracle that wasn't also done in our entire book, in our scriptures. The man was born blind. It wasn't something that happened to him or an accident where he lost his sight. He was born blind. He had known darkness all of his life. Jesus challenged the cultural tones of the day and said, you are not blind because you or your parents sinned. This would lead us to a, a good analogy. One of my favorite hymns here at church is Amazing Grace. And the lyrics say, I was blind, but now I see. This man was born blind, but now he would see. Come across Jesus changed not only his ability for vision, but his entire life. Being born blind is also an excellent metaphor for description of those without faith in Jesus. The Old Testament predicted that the Messiah, the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind in Isaiah 21, 18, chapter 35, verse 5, and also chapter 42, verse 7. As an interesting side note, Jesus filled 300 or more of the Old Testament prophecies. The Lord's answer to whose sin caused this man's blindness was, it was neither his nor his parents' sins that caused his blindness. He was blind, born blind, so that the works of God may be manifest him for the sake of others. Jesus knew not only how he would be healed, but why. He knew you and I would be reading about this miracle thousands of years in the future, thousands of years in the future. Jesus knew it. 
So this miracle wasn't just for him alone. It was for all of us. I suggest the spiritual vision restored to millions or billions in this particular act of God. It wasn't just the vision of one individual being restored. We are all born, we are all born spiritually blind and never see the light. All of us are blind and none of us see the light until we happen across our own faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus says in verse five, verse five that he is the light of the world. And this is one of the reasons why he said that. Another great reason this patch made of this passage is Jesus made use of something that was close by, mud and saliva. That's what he used to do his miracle. He used common, everyday, close-at-hand things. I thought Jesus needed. If we had the faith, I don't doubt this, we would also be able to do godly miracles with the things we find around us. It was also noteworthy here that the creator, the maker, and the king of the universe dispensed this miraculous glory on a blind beggar. He didn't go to the kings. He didn't go up to the rich man's mansion. He did it on a blind beggar. It's all about humility. The man followed the Lord's instruction after he got the mud on his eyes, and he washed his eyes in the pool of Siloam. And that word means scent. It's not that he didn't have restored his sight without using this. Jesus could have said, but you're not blind one, it happened. But you know what? He gave him instructions, and he followed it. Good things happen when he followed the instructions of the Lord. That goes across the board for all of us. If we listen to the Lord and we do it, when he asks us, when he requests us to do, nothing bad can possibly even happen if we are listening, truly listening to the Lord. Then the man with his new ability of sight was brought to Pharisees. They saw this had happened. And it was the Sabbath. And it was these Pharisees, these legalists claimed that Jesus had done work on the Sabbath by letting his blind man see. The Pharisees were sensed that this man's blindness was healed on the Sabbath and asked him how his sight was restored. The man had recounted the story of the mud and the directions to go to the pool. This decided them, the Pharisees, because they did not know how a sinner like Jesus could perform such a miraculous act on the Sabbath. The man answered them, he's a prophet. They called the formerly blind man's parents now they got his parents to ask them to confirm that he had been born blind. They did confirm that he was born blind and told them to ask him how it happened. Ask him. He's of age. He'll tell you. They said this out of fear of the people that were doing the questions. So they called the formerly blind man up once again and asked him again how he was healed by the sinner. Ironically, they started the second questioning with praise God. That's ironic. They didn't know God. He replied, again, they didn't know how Jesus had done what he did with Isaac. But he did know that he was blind and now he could see. He told them that he had already answered that question. And then he arranged them by asking them, do you want to be the Lord's disciples? It was not miraculous enough. It wasn't good enough for the Pharisees that the blind man's sight had to be restored. But the Pharisees wanted to ask him how it was done. This was for selfish reasons. They wanted to find the secret so that they could perform such miracles. <coughs> They stubbornly answered that they were disciples of Moses, whom they know God spoke to. 
The man had been in Maitland when he replied that they didn't know where he came from, and yet he'd opened his eyes. I've heard it said, God's in the list of sinners, only that worship him and do his will. And I thought about this once again, I thought, if God didn't listen to sinners as these Pharisees believed, how would any of us be saved? We're all born sinners. We're all born in sin. If he didn't listen to sinners, how would he hear a plea, plea for mercy and to be saved with salvation? He wouldn't. That is outright false. He continues his defense of Jesus when being asked again by adding that he never before had a blind person had their sight restored by somebody. And if he weren't from God, he would not have been able to do it. This truth fully angered him, now they're angry. And they retorted to, to someone bold like him. Someone bold like you would teach people like us, way up here on a pedestal? They were offended that somebody from the street would come in and tell them what to do. Jesus heard of this and sought the man out. Upon finding him, he asked if he believed in the Son of Man. He just came up and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man said, oh, yes. He began to worship Jesus. The Pharisee that was standing around saw that. They asked Jesus something very ironic. Are we blind? Jesus told them, if they were blind, they would not be guilty. They would not be guilty. They just didn't see. But since they brought their superiority over others, it comes with their exclusive ability to see their guilt remains with them. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, many times we're going through my mind is Mike was sharing scripture. I, just this past week I passed the... Um, Stand that we have our old bulletins, and I was looking at Boone's um, order of service and how we appreciated Boone. You know, he'd get up there and he'd say, Praise the Lord! You know, and it kind of, kind of scared a few of us, you know, at first there, but we kind of looked forward to that. Remember, Boone, Tish, and, and didn't realize that he was born on the same day as my brother in law and died on the same day as my brother in law, same, same age, two significant people that that we really miss, Boone and Scott Hassel, my brother-in-law, Chris's brother, and certainly Lee, and those who contributed to so many aspects of our worship service. I, I got the job early, some almost 50 years ago, by Channel 11 News, where they would sign off. Every night they'd sign off. I haven't checked on if they still have this devotional, but I would produce devotionals for our Channel 11 news and I, you know, just a few minutes before 12 o'clock, you know, I'd, and I didn't always record late at night. I record a number of um, services, devotionals at one time and I'd go in and I'd give them and, and always at, at the um, end of the, the devotional there was a, a tape that came on and there was a lot of applause in the background and people would ask, you know, what kind of people are staying up that late to listen to, you know, church music and they're, and they're applause, applauding? And I said, no, that's just a tape. That's just a tape. I'm normally in the studio by myself along with the technical crew. Well, God is applauding the fact that you and I are in worship today. I remember it was the year, year 1991. There was an article in the New York um, Times magazine. It was current concerning a group of more than 100 women. And these 100 women resided in Long Beach, California, and these women were Cambodian refugees who witnessed the horror of the Pol Pot regime and the horrors of war, the devastation of war, and they were certifiably blind. And at the time I was working part-time at the University Hospital as a chaplain, came in contact with a lot of refugees and they were blind. Even 
though doctors say their eyes function perfectly well. And these sightless women suffer from psychosomatic or hysterical blindness. They are blind, but their blindness stems not from the damage to their bodies, but damage to their minds. Minds. My mother has been incapacitated for about 10 years. She's unable to see and she, she loved reading, you know. There's always a number of books on, on her bed and near her bedstand. And she was a reader and she taught me to really believe that readers are leaders, leaders are readers. Well, scientists do not understand this phenomena, only that it shows the power of the mind, the mind over the body. And as one researcher explained, losing eyesight makes sense if you are trying to escape the stress of the situation. At the movie theaters, you don't cover your ears when some fearful, violent comes on the screen. You always cover your eyes. You cover your eyes. These women have eyes that function normally, nothing wrong. But they still cannot see. They are blind even though they should be able to see clearly having eyes, eyes that are fully functional just as your eyes and my eyes, but unable to see. Our lesson for today from John's Gospel is about a, about a person who was sightless, a man who was sightless. People in Bible times knew nothing about psychosomatic illnesses, nor did they know about such things as neuro neurological damage. Their explanation for any form of suffering was that someone must have sinned. Someone must have sinned. And the question was, who sinned? The disciple asked Jesus that this man was born blind. There must have been some form of cause and effect. No one sinned. No one sinned, Jesus assured them. And it would be easy to pass the sightless man aside, wouldn't it? If he were in this situation because of sin, it's much easier to ignore people's misery if they, they are there because of their own bad choices. We like to self-diagnose, don't we? It's easy to give a cold shoulder to the undeserving. Jesus would have none of that, no excuses, no excuses. Here was a man who needed his help. And that was all that mattered to Christ. Let's begin this morning by noting that Jesus saw. He saw the blind man. This is an important point. We're talking about seeing, and Jesus saw the blind man. Is that important? You bet it is. I can imagine you that, I can guarantee you that, that other people passed this, this man every day and never saw him. Maybe out of routine, they didn't want to take the time. There are many hurting, world, hurting people in the world today that you and I, we walk by. But is it important? You bet it is. I can guarantee you that other people pass this man every day and they, they never saw him. They never tried to help him or even relate to him. They acted like he wasn't even there. Put yourself in that individual's position, you know. Being totally ignored. Isn't that the way it is with, with someone who has handicapping conditions of any sort or is different from us in some way? Don't we, don't we have a tendency to shy away? Don't we hurriedly pass on by? Not out of any kind of ill feelings, but simply because we, we don't know how to react. We, 
We're afraid. We're afraid that we'll say the wrong things. I see that at funerals quite frequently. People are just kind of mum because they don't know what quite to say because they don't want to disturb the grieving. I enjoyed reading about a luncheon visit from um, Joni Erickson Tata who had a meeting with some inner city pastors from Chicago and as many of you know, Joni, Johnny was left paralyzed, beautiful girl, beautiful girl paralyzed from the neck down many years ago during a diving accident. And as she talked about disability ministry with these inner city pastors, she couldn't help but wondering, now, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to say African American? Or would they prefer black? Hmm, it's okay, she thought. Or do I refer to them as people of color? And Johnny thought about her husband, Ken. Ken, who is of a Japanese descent, and his mother prefers the word oriental, while Ken prefers the word Asian. But his dad liked the term Japanese-American. And Johnny continued talking to the pastors about the subject of disabilities. And the subject of color didn't even come up. And later on, when the subject of Hispanic churches were discussed, Johnny says she got a, a tad bit tongue-tied between the words Hispanic and Latino. And she decided then to ask the pastors how they wished to be referred to, whether as black or African-American. And to her surprise, they slapped the table and they, they began to laugh out loud. And the pastors had been wrestling with some questions of their own during lunch. They, they had watched Johnny being fed a sandwich by her friend. And they wondered, now when we refer to Joni Tata Erickson, are we supposed to say handicapped? Or are we supposed to say physically challenged? I know we're not supposed to refer to her as a cripple or, or as an invalid, but which is it? And one of the pastors said, we are itching to know all during lunch how you wanted to be called, all those fancy terms. We didn't want to say the wrong thing and, and we're wondering what was right. And together, John, Johnny and these pastors had a great laugh over their mutual awkwardness of acceptance. Will you and I ever come to the point when we see other people simply as human beings? Will we ever come to a point when we look beyond our differences and we see each other as children of God? Jesus saw the blind man and that's the first thing we read here. Jesus did not try to hurry by him or ignore him. Jesus did not see him as somehow different or unworthy. Jesus saw this person as a precious human soul, precious human soul. Jesus saw this man as Jesus sees you and I. Jesus does not count numbers. He sees the qualitative possibilities that's in your life and Jesus healed him let's not miss that Jesus healed him what what a great gift Jesus bestowed upon this sightless man I believe that Jesus is healing Michelle and, and we speak words of faith we speak words of virtue over those that need prayer and healing from God James Craft, a re renowned Christian layman, recalls as a great turning point in his development the day that, that a certain kindly eye doctor came into his life. And James was a, just a young 14-year-old boy and one of a family of 11 children. And living on a farm in Canada, in his book Adventures in Jade, he relates that he had never been able to distinguish 
object clearly in her own Dan Pumala and some of the staff of Jehab they cannot necessarily distinguish faces but they distinguish you know beings and his nearsightedness was so acute and so distressing that he assumed everyone on earth suffered continuously from from furious, furious headaches. And that all the earth had this blurry image of a boat seen from underneath the water. It's kind of like maybe when you and I we wear our, our cheaters and somebody smudged them or maybe put a little butter on them, you know, to tease us. The doctor insisted that he go to the city where were with him to be fitted with a pair of glasses. And in that gift of glasses, James Craft gratefully recalls that doctor. That doctor gave me the earth and all that was in it completely in focus and beautiful beyond anything I could ever have dreamed. I've heard testimony after testimony by Dr. Guess, who was an ophthalmologist in my area. Alexandria area, and Dr. Giss also went on after practice in ophthalmology, went on to seminary, and then every summer he would go to various countries and help restore the visions, visions of those who lost, and how they would describe gaining their sight after years and years of having no sight. I, I cannot think of another act of human kindness, Kraft concludes, in my lifetime, which can compare with this. We were once dying. We were once denied sight. We weren't blind, but now we see. I remember in my Hewitt Church, Miss Love, talk about Miss Love, Miss Love Long, and she had been blind for some 30 years in childhood, and she, her eye, Sight was restored, and she, she had forgotten how beautiful the colors were. The blind man that Jesus healed would undoubtedly have given the same kind of testimony, a testimony. In fact, when he discovered it was Jesus who had healed him, he bowed down and he worshipped Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to be healed by Jesus, whatever you, it might be. That is something that even someone like Singer Amy Grant, Amy Grant has discovered, have many of her songs. My children loved Amy Grant and went to a number of her concerts. But on the surface of it all, Amy Grant seemed to be one of the luckiest, luckiest young women in the world. Started out as a singer of contemporary gospel music, Amy Grant. And she was able to move onto the secular rock charts and with ease and, and been given a genuine rock star for many years. And her life has not been charmed as it may appear. However, in the mid-1980s, she had many troubles, troubles in her marriage. Her husband, Gary, became addicted to cocaine they talked seriously of divorce, and all this left Amy in one of the darkest and deepest moments of her life. Here is how she describes it in her very own words. She said, for days I just stayed in bed, and I, I mourned my life. And the only hope I could seem to me to see was just thinking of, of junking, junking it all, moving to Europe and starting everything all over again. And Amy Grant says, it was then that my sister, in a last-ditch attempt behind, she marched up right beside my bed, and she says, fine. Fine, go to Europe. Leave it all behind. Start your life again. But f before you go, before you go, Tell my little girl how you can sing that Jesus can 
help her through anything in her life, but that he couldn't help you. Those words hit home with Amy Grant. Amy and Gary at that time began marriage and Christian counseling, slowly rebuilding their relationship with each other. Now there are kinds of healings, not just physical, but also emotional healings. Emotional hearing healings that God provides, including the, the kind of healing of relationships. Jesus healed this blind man. How easily we forget that. Many, many good people, church people, people who have been baptized and professed their faith in Jesus Christ, they carry around this burden of pain that could be lifted if only they would take seriously the idea that Jesus does heal. He healed people then and he heals people now. He can heal us of whatever our need might be. Now Jesus, Jesus saw that blind man. Jesus healed the blind man. And Jesus wants to heal you and me because he sees us in particular needs. And you may say, Pastor, I don't need healing. My relationship with my spouse is just fine. My health is just fine. I, I'm not in any kind of pain right now. I don't need Jesus healing. Maybe, maybe not, but we don't want to miss the central teaching of this chapter of, of Jesus' healing. Maybe not, but we don't want to miss that central teaching. The central teaching of this chapter is that losing your sight is a tragic thing, but far more tragic is having healthy eyes, like those 100 Cambodian women that can physically see, but they can't see. We could see a play upon the twin themes, twin themes of physical blindness and spiritual blindness. In fact, the chapter ends with Jesus' opponents, his opponents, the religious authorities, the bishops and the district superintendents saying, are we blind? Are we blind? And the answer is yes, in fact, this is where most people are. They're spiritually blind. They don't really see their family members. They don't really see their neighbors. They don't really see the sightless man on the street. And most of all, they don't see God. They have eyes, and yet they're blind. Are you in that category? Am I? Father, this morning, I recall back reading an article that during the Christmas season of 1879, a newspaper reporter in Boston saw three little girls standing in front of a store window full of toys. And one of them was blind. And coming closer, he heard the other two trying to describe the playthings to their sightless friend. And he said that he never thought of how difficult it would be to explain what something looks like to someone who who has never been able to see. That incident became the basis for newspaper story. And two weeks later, the same reporter attended a meeting conducted by Dwight L. Moody, and his purpose was to catch the great evangelist in some inconsistency and expose him. He was greatly surprised, therefore, when Moody used the reporter's own newspaper account of the three children to illustrate a spiritual truth that just as a blind girl couldn't visualize the toys, said Moody, so an unsaved person can't see Christ in all his glory. Moody went on to say that God opens the eyes of anyone who acknowledges his sin and accepts the Savior in humble faith. Father, this morning, those who are viewing by way of television or radio or Facebook, are we blind? We need to daily open our eyes, acknowledge our sin, and accept our Savior in humble faith. For Jesus helps people to see. Jesus helps people see their blindness. And Jesus helps families and friends in new ways. Jesus helps people see opportunities for improving their lives. 
Jesus makes it possible for people to see God. Jesus can help you and I to see things we never saw before. Jesus saw the blind man. He sees us. Jesus healed the blind man. And Jesus can heal you and I from our blindness as well. Would you pray with me, dear Jesus? Show me any areas of blindness in my life. Give me discernment by your Holy Spirit to correct the blindness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to operate in your gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we just do pray that your Spirit would move in our midst as we prepare for the offering and bless the hymns that bring a sense of closure to our opportunity of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join me in the prayer that's listed in our bulletins? Generous in giving God, we offer gifts this day as those who have received so much more. You gave yourself to us and asked only for devotion, yet we get distracted by the world. You offered all of creation to meet our needs for food and shelter, yet we decided that we wanted more. You offered your love to all, yet we decided some were more worthy and valuable than others. So you gave us the repentance that leads to life, and all our giving pales by comparison. Dedicate us, we pray, in Christ's holy name. Amen. Let us turn to our offertory hymn, They'll Know We Are Christians by Our Lives. The answer, please. Would you please stand up? 